0: Alison, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I am so excited to chat to you
1: today to get to know you and then about your book as well. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to meet you and chat. We had some great questions. Thank you so much. So
0: to start off, do you just want to share a bit about yourself and what, what you've been doing
1: before you went on this journey? Yes. Well, <laughs> I've been on this journey almost my whole life. So I can't really say I've done much before that. I started when I was actually four years old practicing the children's technique of transcendental meditation. And then I learned the adult's technique when I was nine and it was at 14 that I started getting this feeling, which I think is a really common feeling even more. So these days of, is this it, isn't there something more to life? You know, whatever I achieve outside or whatever I get outside, sure. It's great for a little while. And then it's like, okay, what's next? So where is the lasting fulfillment? If it's not going to come from something outside, where do I find it? So that was, by 14, I'd sort of figured that out and I was like, okay, so then how do I find the happiness? How do I find lasting fulfillment? If I can have that, then I can do everything else, but let's get the happiness first. And I was fortunate that I was able to share this sort of frustration through a letter with Maharshi Mahesh Yogi, the founder of Transcendental Meditation. And I had heard Maharshi talk about the idea of Vedic knowledge or Vedic from the Vedic tradition as a means to realize our own highest inner potential to gain fulfillment. And so I had asked Maharshi basically, how can I gain this Vedic wisdom? How can I be happy all the time? And that set off a series of opportunities to dive more deeply into Vedic knowledge through my own experience and through research. And to begin to unfold how anyone, in a very simple way, can find lasting inner happiness and peace with Wow,
0: that is that is so beautiful. And for, for someone that doesn't understand um, the background of Vedic knowledge, can you just, just share yes. your yeah. brief summary the, about vaid, it? Vedic
1: vaid means, literally it means knowledge. So when I say Vedic knowledge, I'm te- technically being redundant. Vedic vedic means total knowledge and total knowledge means complete knowledge when you think of complete knowledge you might think of a library full of books that you could know all the books in the library or nowadays you know the internet is like total knowledge you can search anything and it comes up instantly but total knowledge isn't something outside it's something inside and what makes it unique and particularly fascinating is that it incorporates into human experience directly into human physiology human beings the experience of consciousness which is the basis of everything you might hear physicists talk about different unified levels of nature's intelligence down to a unified field where everything is one basically
0: Mm. that
1: same unified field described in physics we could say is within each of us can be experienced within each of us in our own consciousness and it's not that you have to settle down to get consciousness we all have consciousness all the time but when we allow our minds to settle down, to become quiet, we experience a level of consciousness, which is peace, which is happiness, which is also total knowledge. And that's why this term ved or vedic, meaning total knowledge, implies not only intelligence or the ability to know anything, but the ability to have inner fulfillment and to accomplish whatever you want to accomplish.
0: Wow, you explain that so beautiful. And the way that you explain the the consciousness and that it's it's not because typically like I do think about it as when you have that moment and you're sitting down and you're allowing yourself, but I think that's a next level. Like yeah. you had you explain, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. It's it's within each of us, and it's the nature of our minds to want that greater happiness and that greater peace. It's, you know, people will talk about the monkey mind jumping. The mind wants something else and something else, and I have to do this and I have to do that. The reason the mind is jumping is it hasn't found fulfillment. The second it finds Mm -hmm. peace, the second it finds happiness, it stays easily. You don't have Mm -hmm. to hold it. So it's giving our mind a way to come back to its source, to come back to the level where there is lasting peace, lasting happiness. And then everything becomes easier. And you were exploring this at such a young age. Yes. Yes. I, uh, you know, everyone has their own destiny and way that things unfold. So while I feel like it's actually a very common experience for teenagers to feel like, what is the point? What, you know, what's going on in the world? Where do I fit into the world? I think just the particular angle I took of it is why can't I have lasting fulfillment? I'd heard this concept that Vedic knowledge, knowing and experiencing Vedic knowledge, gave one the ability to know, do and achieve anything wouldn't want to be able to know, do and achieve anything. It's like, yeah. okay, I'll take that. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> okay.
0: So can you share with us the inspiration behind your book, which is Be yes. More, 18 Practical Steps for More Peace, Success and Happiness?
1: Yes. Well, I, I turned 40 this year. And as you now know, I've been studying this knowledge in a serious way since I was 14. And there was a part of me that thought There's so many things I wish I'd known 20 years ago. It's not that you can't have a fulfilling life without them. But when you think, for example, when you think of a path for perfection or the ability to know, do and achieve anything. When I was younger, I thought to to reach perfection, one has to be perfect. Hmm. And that, of course, is a trap. It's not going to work. And that idea of I have to try and be perfect is something that I think a lot of people of all ages fall into And then they get upset or disappointed. Why can't I be perfect? And so I wrote this book with the idea that these are the 25, not 25, there's 18, 18 most important lessons that I've learned in my life so far. And they're all from Maharshi Mahesh Yogi, either directly, including quotes he said or sayings he said, or indirectly through learning from him and working with him to understand here are the secrets to life. And they're such simple things. It's not something very complicated. Everybody will recognize the phrases I use because they're almost phrases that are already in the common lexicon. But I was trying to express ancient wisdom in a way that everyone could say, oh yeah, that makes sense. I can apply that to my life. And that so that was my inspiration is how can I give, to share what I've learned in a way That's practical for anyone. And I'd read a lot of self-help books, especially they tend to be targeted at women. And I felt that.
0: (laughs) That is beautiful.
1: And could you give us a brief overview of the. You can accomplish anything you want to accomplish. But what a lot of them lack is how do you do it? How can you be more? How can you accomplish whatever you want to accomplish? How can you accept yourself as you are right now? So what I in with these common ideas and these common threads of bringing more empowerment, not only to women, but to people in general and to, so that someone could read the book or even a chapter of the book and come away with some tools that would immediately be making their life better. Eighteen practical steps.
0: Yes, I'm gonna quickly open them up because
1: I always forget <laughs> the order. <laughs> Let's get them out for you. I will say that the, there's three chapters on love because I kept coming back to that theme. I thought, you know, probably most people would think one one chapter on love is enough, but I felt like it's such an important essence of life. Not only finding love, but really learning how to give love yourself how to give love from within, because when we're able to give more, it attracts more love. So that was something I kept coming back to as like, this is really important for my life. So I want to share it with everyone over and over again with slightly different angles. Okay, I've got the book up. I can read all the chapters to you now. So thread one is always keep learning. And I talk about, we will make it smaller so I can still see you. And I talk about how we're all lifelong learners. And if we think we're done, if we say, okay, I know everything, then it's a mistake of the ego. It's like, okay, there's always more to learn. And no matter how accomplished one is, no matter how much one has achieved, there's always more to learn and to experience. And that makes life so much more rich and interesting also. Yeah. And then the next thread is anything is possible. And this is something that Maharshi said and also showed me in so many ways because we all have an idea of what we think is possible. We have like, okay, here's life now and here's what I would like to achieve. But what if... What you want to achieve is a small percentage of what you could actually achieve. And I talk about that also in terms of the neurophysiology of our brain physiology, because research is showing more and more now that we only use a small portion of our brain, whether that's 10 percent or 20 percent, some small percentage. If we can use that whole brain potential, suddenly what we thought was impossible becomes physically possible. And there's new creative solutions to every problem in the world. So that's it's one of the most fun chapters, I think. I'm going to have to go a little faster. We're going to make it through all 18. The next one is happiness is the basis of success. I think that one speaks for itself. But we talk a little bit about balancing the fact that people don't naturally feel happy all the time. So how do you enhance happiness and bring more happiness into your life? So then it attracts more. It brings more good to your life. Thread four is never judge. Everything can be right or wrong. And I talk about different perspectives, different levels of consciousness, Thread five is woman is divine, and I talk about how raising up women raises up the whole society and how different ancient cultures have honored women throughout time and the power of giving women equal opportunities and a voice to help take our whole society to a new level. And then we come to the first chapter on love. The answer to love is to love more. Next is what you put your attention on grows stronger in your life. The next one related to all possibilities is just think big, set some huge goal. You never know what you can accomplish. And then we have thread nine, what you put out comes back to you. Talk about the idea of karma, the idea that we can't control what comes to our lives, but we can control how we respond to it. And we can create more good in our whole environment in that way. And then thread 10, don't be a football of situations and circumstances. And that one probably is the least familiar to most people. That was a phrase Maharshi used. And the idea is that when you don't have a stable basis and peace and happiness in the settled level of the consciousness, your own consciousness, as we talked about at the beginning, then life bowls you over, like a football being thrown around or like you know a buoy in the ocean as the waves come crashing in. But if you have that anchor, if you had that stability within, then life still happens, but there's an inner stability and an inner strength that makes it all easier. So thread 11, just let go. And this is about the power of surrender. And I think you had a question on that as well, because it's such an important, for me, it's been an important lesson. But for people, including myself, who think that if they just try harder, if they control more, they'll be able to do it, whatever it is, It's a lesson that there's something bigger than ourselves and that in accepting that, whatever we want to call it, maybe even better opportunities that we couldn't see because we were so attached to this one thing open up. And I go, yes, so I go into the how you can apply just let go in various ways. Thread 12, start where you are, but see the goal. And that talks about it doesn't matter how far you are, from whatever you want your goal to be, take one step, whatever that step mm-hmm. is. And it's the, it's the idea of small daily changes, small momentary changes that we can connect our lives to something greater in, in bit by bit, drop by drop. Thread 13 is love is the best gift. And this talks about the power of giving love to transform first ourselves. And then, of course, everyone around us also benefits from that. Yeah. Thread 14, become a successful traveler of life. This is a fun chapter because so many people love to travel. But I talk about in this chapter how we're all traveling towards greater awakening of our full potential, greater awakening of who we are. We're all travelers every day, whether we get on a plane or in the bus or on a train. And how do we travel through life and get the maximum from life in order to connect ourselves to our highest highest potential, that inner peace, that inner happiness we talked about at the beginning.
0: I love that question. How do we travel through life to get the maximum out of <laughs> it? Even if you are not the, the type of person that's traveling from
1: country to country or city to city. Exactly. Exactly. We're all travelers. Whether exactly whether we ever get on travel far or not, we're all travelers and life is taking us somewhere. Ultimately yeah. it's towards greater evolution greater awakening of our own highest potential. But some of us may resist that in various ways. And how do we use the opportunities life presents to make, make more use of it. So thread 15 failing leads to greater strength. Of course, there's many variations on this theme, but the idea that when we fail, actually what we may be doing is creating a new opportunity for ourselves and how every time we Make a mistake or create a failure. Maybe it's just nature opening or the universe, whatever, opening a different door of new opportunities. And then thread 16, life is in moments, not in days. This relates again to what we were talking about, about being a traveler of life, is every moment we have the opportunity to reconnect to our own inner bliss, our own inner peace, and to transform that moment to bring greater good to those around us and in the society as a whole. So how at any moment, probably many of your listeners have experienced at some moment, their lives changed, either for good or for bad, but in an instant, everything changed. And how can we use those moments that we are already going to happen to us to create greater good in our lives? Then thread 17, you already know the answer. This is where I talk about intuition and how each of us has built-in intelligence, which is guiding us for greater success, greater happiness, greater evolution, and how to listen to that intuition. And one of the examples I give in that chapter, which I think is just brilliant, is that in natural medicine, they say, and you can check this anywhere, that when there's a poisonous plant growing, you'll find the antidote growing right by it. So wherever the poison is, nature provides the cure. And it's the idea that anytime there's a challenge, the innate intelligence within each of us is providing the solution as well.
0: Wow, that is, yeah, that is that's incredible. It. I love that uh, all of the chapters, it is, it talks about like tuning in, mm-hmm. but then it's so practical as well.
1: Yeah, that's it. And that that's a very important chapter for me because probably many of you have had the experience where there's that voice inside saying, do this, do this. And you your intellect goes, no, that doesn't make sense. I shouldn't do that. And later you think, oh, why didn't I listen? I've done that so many times. <laughs> so that's, yeah, I feel like the more we can tap into and use the intu- that intuition, the better our own lives and the better for society as a whole. So finally, we end back on love. Thread 18, even the hardest rocks melt with love. And there's a beautiful quote from Lao Che that talks about how water is the softest thing and yet it can melt rocks so it can melt the hardest thing. And in the same way, love, has the power to melt rocks, hearts, hearts of stone, and create that fullness of life, the beauty of inner life. Mm. So So those are the 18 chapters.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for taking us through the chapters. Um, So in your experience, what are some of the biggest challenges that people face in finding that fulfillment
1: and happiness? Mm.
0: It's
1: a good question. I would say people as a whole don't necessarily have a technique to find it. So I could tell all your listeners, you have to be happy or you you have happiness within you. Don't you experience it? And they would say, no, you know, that's nice. It's a great idea, but no. (laughs) So the first important thing is to have a systematic way to experience inner happiness. The most effective way I know of is Transcendental Meditation and its advanced programs. It allows the mind to settle down to the source of thought, which is a field of inner happiness and inner peace. And it doesn't mean that someone will instantly be happy all the time, but it gives them even a momentary experience of more happiness that starts to infuse day by day, week by week, year by year into their lives. And, and then, the, oh, sorry, please you know, please. I'll just say the other challenge I think even practitioners of Transcendental Meditation can have is just making the choice. Whenever you have a choice, choose to be happy.
0: That there's, yeah.
1: you know, we can get caught in complaining and saying this and that and finding the bad. Instead, find something good. Appreciate that. Bring out more good in your day-to-day life.
0: I completely agree with you that the people, I mean, these 18 practical steps uh, are tools as well mm-hmm. for people uh, to go towards having a more, um, like, happiness and peaceful because you beca- you're becoming more aware of yourself.
1: Yes. And once
0: you are more aware of yourself and, um, you know, like loving yourself and letting go, I mean, the concept of letting go is something that I was introduced to like not too long ago, probably like two, or three years ago. But typically we, we go through a life with, you know, having to and wanting to control everything
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, And that, that like wanting to have that control can really take away some of your happiness. That's true. Because you you cannot see what might come after the letting go Mm -hmm. or what might come after the failing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, some people wallow in, in the fail and they just don't like take a second to get up and wonder like, what is coming next after this? Surely there must be something better.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's two expressions from the Christian tradition that actually come to mind as you say that one is let go and let God. And the Mm. other is, I just lost my train of thought. But anyway, I'll think of it. (laughs) But this idea, this idea of letting go, I talk in the book about how you don't, it's not that you need to give up in the middle. Like I give the example of suppose you're in the middle of a difficult, you're running and it's difficult. It doesn't mean you should go, oh, it's difficult, I'm giving up. (laughs) instead this idea of letting go is you do your very best you put everything out there and then whatever happens happens but you know you've given your best to life and if you give your best to life you trust that at every moment well that was the other expression whenever god closes a door he opens a window the idea that whenever you've given your best to life if it doesn't work out it's because there's something even better coming and maybe in this moment you can't see it and that's i think it's an incredibly powerful concept because we don't have control how others, over how others will respond. We don't have control over many events in the world. I think the pandemic has proven that to all of us. Yeah. But we do have control over our actions. We do have control over how we respond to situations. And so in giving the best that we have, then in letting go, then we it's like, Right. If you think of like a river and you drop some flowers or something into the river, you did your part, you dropped the flowers, then the current carries them on. In the same way, God, the universe, nature, your own good actions carry on and give greater strength to whatever you've put out there. Yeah, so
0: beautiful. And can you take me through like what your morning routine looks like? <laughs> yeah, that's a good.
1: To set your day up for happiness. Absolutely. Yes. I get up, I drink some water and I take a shower <laughs> and then I do transcendental meditation and it's advanced programs. It takes me about an hour, hour and a half because I do longer program and then I'll have breakfast and maybe have some calls. I work on projects all over the world, coaching and coordinating women's empowerment projects. So then there's calls and that's what's that's the end of the morning already.
0: And we, we can want to find these meditations.
1: Yes. You can find a certified teacher of transcendental meditation by going to tm.org. That, um, I think that's the best place to go. tm.org. Okay. Uh,
0: was it easy for you to like meditate for that length of time or did you have to start off with shorter periods?
1: Yeah, no, when you first learn transcendental meditation, for example, you'll learn you'll do 20 minutes morning and evening. I have several advanced programs, so I do a longer time. But the idea of transcendental, not the idea, the experience of transcendental meditation is that it is it's easy. It's really honestly effortless. There's so many forms of concentration and contemplation out there. And concentration means you have to try and hold your mind in one spot. If you think of the ocean, You're trying to stay in one spot as the ocean, the waves and the currents are pushing you, it's hard. And if you think of contemplation, it's sort of like now you've got a snorkel gear and you're swimming around, you're seeing what's down there, checking it all out, but you're swimming from place to place to place. It's a little bit easier, but it's still your mind is jumping and jumping and jumping. With transcendental meditation, instead of being on the surface of the ocean, it's like you dive to the depths of the ocean and you can be on the silent bottom of the ocean. And then it feels very easy, very simple. So I, you know, when people say to me, oh, meditation is so hard or I tried to meditate, I couldn't, it was too much. Of course, I couldn't concentrate either. I don't think I'd make it 10 minutes, (laughs) but (laughs) this is a form of meditation that's completely effortless and natural.
0: And what would you say to someone that
1: says, but I just don't have the time? Yes, of course. Everybody is super busy. And if you look at taking 20 minutes, for example, out of your day, morning and evening, it would seem like a negative 40 minutes out of your day, almost an hour. But the power of Transcendental Meditation specifically is that when the mind settles down, we've been talking about how the mind settles down, the body also settles down. What happens when the body settles down? It gets rest, deep rest. And that deep rest allows the body to throw off stress and strain some of the research has actually shown that it's deeper than deep sleep. So your mind is alert, calm, peaceful, but your body is getting very deep rest. So you know many people, top executives, people who practice transcendental meditation, get up half an hour earlier, do that and say, I feel so much more rested and clear during the day. It's added so much value to my day that while it takes 40 minutes, I gain hours.
0: Yes, personally, I have to meditate every single morning before I before I speak with anyone, before I you know get into my day,
1: because
0: it really sets up my day. And if I don't, I can feel yeah, the difference. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I, I definitely encourage everyone to try it out. I'm definitely going to look into it as yes, well.
1: Yes, I'll that. say just to be so the, for full transparency, the course fee is quite high compared to, norm, to many other meditation techniques. But there are sliding scales in many countries. The price varies by country, and you may have international listeners. So I, I'm not going to say a specific price, but the price varies by country and by the economic situation of the country. But most countries offer either a sliding scale or for those who need it, scholarships. So if you look at the price and you think, oh, I can't pay that. Don't be discouraged. Reach out to a teacher of transcendental meditation and express your interest. And there's ways to learn. I mean, it's it's going to better our lives, right? That's that way. Exactly. To make more money as well. <laughs> exactly. More money, more happiness, more quality of life for more years. It's, yeah, more peace yeah, of yeah, mind. To
0: yeah. I love that so much. Um, Okay. So how do you envision the readers benefiting from your book
1: and applying their teachings into their daily lives? It's a great question. At the end of every chapter, there's usually about five action points. And I wrote those with the idea of how can I consolidate these ideas that seem like nice ideas in the chapters, but into something immediately practical for the readers in their daily lives. And so we've talked about making a companion book, we'll see if we do it, where you can take each exercise and do one exercise a day. So you go through, say, a chapter a week, or even you can stretch it out longer and do one exercise a week and spend a month on each chapter. But the idea of the exercises is is they're simple ways to begin to integrate these ideas and apply them. One of the, for example, because you talked about happiness before, one of the exercises is a happiness scale or a happiness barometer. And you take different areas of your life and you rate your happiness in that area. So it could be physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, career-wise, family-wise, whatever. You can pick as many areas as you want and rate your happiness on a scale of 1 to 10. And then after reading the book and doing uh, the other exercises, go back and look at that scale and see how you rate yourself. And if you've seen improvement through the technologies. So that's that's the idea. Is One of the key, key technologies is, of course, Transcendental Meditation and its advanced programs. But whether someone chooses to learn those or not, the simple exercises in the book are ways to bring some extra good, some extra possibilities to everyday life.
0: And I think the book is even great for someone that is just starting out on the personal journey as well, because it is like a step-by-step guide with practical, actionable steps. and, um, And it covers every aspect
1: as well. Yeah, that was yeah. that was it. I thought there's no part of life that you know, if you're looking at a person holistically, there's no part of life you want to leave out. Let's include everything. Yeah.
0: And do you have any um, new books coming out? Or <laughs> any
1: work that you are doing with the Women empowerment. right? Yes. Well, this book has actually been delayed for marketing purposes until September 27th. So it will actually be out. Be More will be out on September 27th. Mm -hmm. And after that, we'll see. There's two more books in the works, but we'll see when they actually make it out. What we're also doing, though, is developing more courses. And the idea of the courses is to take the same themes from the book, but go into them more in depth in a supportive environment of like-minded people so that everyone can enhance and support each other with their ideas, experiences, and understanding. And we did the first course like that in January and February of this year. It was very successful. So we're planning to offer more options of that, including an asynchronous option so anyone anywhere in the world can join when it's convenient for them.
0: Amazing. And
1: what type of course was it? Well, it was just called Be More. It was an online course. That one was actually offered as a university continuing education course. So it was just six, six lessons, two hours each lesson. And it was an incredible group of women. We had people who were 20 and people who were 75. And we all found understanding, enrichment and support from each other. It was really a very special experience to see how everyone contributed to the course it wasn't only me talking but everyone's contributions
0: that is that is so amazing because I mean having the book in a course format and having other women Mm -hmm. around you people around
1: you that is you know on the same journey that is absolutely Mm -hmm. incredible exactly so we in that course we took one chapter for each each week and we just so we only got through the first six chapters there will be more courses in that format and other formats as well
0: Perfect. Okay, so if anyone wants to find you and connect and be more,
1: where you yes. Probably the best place is the website, which is bemorehappy.com. And they can also follow me on Instagram, although I have not posted recently. It's at bemorehappy.book. And my personal Instagram, which I also haven't posted recently, is just Alison Cloud at Alison Flout.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much. This was so helpful. And there's 18 steps are incredible. I think that everyone would have found it so much value. And I definitely think your courses as something
1: to join as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me and stuff. I really enjoyed speaking with you.
0: Oh, thank you so much. Thank you.